Welcome once again to Gardening Talkback on 2NURFM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, how are you? Absolutely fantastic. It's sparkling out there. It's like champagne out there today. Champagne. Champagne. Champagne weather. Yes. Anymore than that. What do you got for today, Scotty? Well, uh, I thought we'd, we went, uh, Jude and I went into International Day of People with Disability on the foreshore on Friday. Fantastic day in there as well. I'll talk a little bit about that and what we did. Uh, some new plants that are out. Uh, well, one of them uh, it sort of reminded me of you. Actually, Greg. That dam savers. Can you know, cousin it. It's a type of casuarina, but look at the hairstyle on it. That's what sort of reminded me of you. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, we'll have talk, a We'll talk about that later. <laughs> and we'll also talk about uh, Pixie Bougainvillea and a new bay laurel called Baby Bay. Anything called Baby must be cute. So we've got Graham from Bulwara. Hey, Graham. How can we help you today? Hey, Scott. Pretty good, thanks. Um, what I'm um, ringing up about um, apple cucumbers. Yes. I'm having. I've had a Real good, you know, the plants look really good. And um, I've had a few cucumbers off it. But um, I'm wondering, and there's a few ladybirds, do they do any harm to the cucumbers? Uh, no, mate. Look, usually ladybirds are actually they're helping. They're they're actually little insect fighters. You know, they're in there. They fly in and they and they come in and actually feed on any mites that might be there actually attacking the cucumber. So it might but might be that you've hey. got an, another problem in there, and that's why the ladybirds are in there trying to uh, have a bit of a feed yeah. and uh, you know clean it up for you. So that that could be the problem that you've got, yeah. uh, mate. Look, a couple of the leaves and take it into your you know your local garden. Centre, probably uh, Heritage Gardens up there at Thornton. They're pretty knowledgeable people. They should be able to help you about uh, anything that's on the uh, on the cucumber. Yeah, and I thought it might have been the heat that we've had too. That's good. Um... Well, well, look, mate. It's certainly it's been very, very hot, and oh, yeah. you, and you know with those sort of fleshy, uh, you know, running plants like uh, cucumbers, watermelons, uh, you know, they do require a lot of water because they're quick growing, and you know, they're, they're you know, they're all the the sort of moisture in, the, in that vascular system in the in the leaves, so they do run very quickly. But for that, they need lots of water, and also for the fruit, you know, for the cucumber, they need to be nice and juicy as well. So if it is hot, you do have to water them and, and just try and keep that under control. But if you've got lots and lots of ladybirds it usually is a sign that there's you know something going on there they're having a feed uh you know like seagulls and a you know some hot chips at the beach that's what <laughs> ladybirds are like you know they'll fly in and try and eat anything bad that's there so uh, yeah. maybe take a couple of leaves take it down to your local garden center and see yeah. how you go and I, i've been hitting it pretty hard with potash too well that that's great because that'll only uh <laughs> the smile <laughs> oh, oh, th- thank you graham i didn't even have to say it and and uh, uh, you know you're a le- you're a legend mate thank yeah, you I for like that but that's only going to help the fruiting and the flowering of the plant. It makes it stronger and you get uh, far more fruit. You get far more cucumbers off your vine because of that. Yeah, and the good tip that you gave me, gave us through the year, yeah. was the orange tree. Yes. Put the put ice cubes around the bottom of that tree. Oh, okay. And I tell you what, I've, there's, there's oranges... It's loaded, that tree down the back now. Yeah, so I, see, I personally never believe that that's going to work, but I'll always tell people about it to give them a chance. And uh, yeah. So you but, don't believe what you're preaching? Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously yeah. it works. Oh, look, yeah. I, I guess it does. I guess it does. But I'll, I'll always try and help people out, mate. Always yeah, no, no, it's been good. You gave me a lot of tips through the year. Oh, good, good. And I'd like to wish your, your staff and everything a Merry Christmas. Oh, and, and look, you too, Graham. I hope you have a good Christmas, mate. Yeah. Okay. Thanks very much okay. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Graham. So, what is it about the ice that? Why would that work? I, I I don't know why it'd work. That's why I never 
actually say yeah, that's why I don't believe it myself but if it's if it's worked for someone we'll give it a try look I think it, it sort of chills the root system of the yep. plant apparently and uh, makes it think that oh it's you know I'm cold and it's winter and I'm going to make some really nice oranges because oranges need the chill to get uh, that really nice flavor to yep. them I don't know seems to work a few people have rung in saying it's a goer I don't know how much ice you have to put down there though you know <laughs> just like one bag five one kilos of ice or yeah, something. one cube yeah <laughs> who knows <laughs> If you've got any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. Now, Scott, that plant that you reckon looks like me... Look, uh, look I wasn't trying to be cruel, mate. I, I love your haircut. It was a little bit of a backhanded compliment. Well, after, you know, I pretty much ignored you earlier on this, after, you know, this afternoon. This is, you know... Making up for it a little bit. Well, I was going to say I'm setting the tone for the rest of the hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's called Cousin It. It's actually a little ground cover casarina. So that makes it sound worse. I guess it does, doesn't it? But I can see your eyes and I can see your glasses. And so it's, I suppose if you throw some glasses over that, it's pretty much a dead It ringer. actually sort of does look a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, just this beautiful sort of weeping ground cover. Uh, very, very tough, uh, hot, dry conditions it'll grow in. And it does. It, it forms sort of like this this mop of hair that just trails down to the ground. And, uh, yeah, a, a really, really good plant to have in, in those hot, dry conditions uh, and just to form a ground cover and keep those weeds under control. So we've got Selma. Hey, Selma. How are you going? Oh, not too bad, thanks. How are you? Pretty well. Now, how can we help you today? I've got white spots all over my fig tree leaves. Ah, that's interesting. Uh, have you turned those leaves over? And are there any little grubs or anything in underneath there? Can't see any. No, no. Because at the moment, fig trees are being absolutely stripped by the, well, you know, I'd call it a fig tree grub. And they get in under there like this little group and they just go crazy and, and strip it all away. But if, if there's nothing like that underneath there, it can actually be a fungal disease uh, with figs. They're pretty, uh, you know, susceptible to getting funguses, especially when. You know, we have a bit of rain and then the heat and the humidity and then a bit more rain again and all of a sudden those fungal diseases just take off. Yeah. And uh, that's probably what you've got on there. So the best thing to use for that is either Mancozer Plus or Copper Oxychloride and you mix those up and you just spray in underneath, underneath the leaves and all over the top as well and that'll uh, form a bit of a barrier there and it should get rid of any fungal problems you've got and then protect it as well for, you know, two or three weeks until it washes back off again. What is it? Chloride? Yeah, copper oxychloride yeah. or Mancozeb Plus. Or Mancozeb. Yeah, so if you just head into your local garden centre and just say, oh, I've got a fungal problem with my fig, they should be able to help you out with that. You'd see, okay. You've got to say it exactly like that as well. Okay. Yep, okay, thank, okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, Selma. No Bye-bye. Worries. And definitely make sure you say fig as well. Fig, yes. Finish the sentence with fig. Yes. Now, Scott, you've got a couple more plants there for us? Yes, we do. Uh, there's a nice little pixie bougainvillea, a very tough little plant. Very, I like tough plants because people often come in and say, oh, I've got this really hard spot to grow something. And um, yep. yeah, that's what, so I'm always suggesting tough plants because people aren't the best waterers in the world. No. They say they are. But they're not. They're not, no. I'm guilty of it. No. I say I'll water every day, but I don't. You don't, okay. No, I don't, <laughs> Uh, this I've is, even looked at the hose and looked at the plant. It's a little bit of a confessional here today we're having, yeah. isn't it? Well, it's winding up to the end of the year, so yeah. <laughs> everything's coming out. Yep, let's just spill the beans here. <laughs> you can tell me anything you need to, Greg. No one's listening. 
people are listening. Okay, good, good. Uh, Pixie Bougainvillea, a really tough plant, hot spot, uh, variegated leaf. So it's got yellow and green on the leaf and a fantastic pink flower. Now, it's only a, 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 a sort of a dwarf Bougainvillea, so it's not going to, uh, you know, go crazy and sort of, you know, try and steal the children or yeah. anything like that or wrap itself around the dog, you know, while you've turned around. Uh, these ones only stay up to about a metre high. Yeah. Uh, so they're not they're not too tall at all. They only get to about a metre. The great thing is you can actually keep them sort of pruned into a bit of a shrub. Uh, again, low water usage, full sun. Uh, you know, they, they really just work very, very well as a potted plant. Uh, there's also uh, Bambino Bougainvilliers. They're sort of all out of the same variety. This one here is called Pixie. Uh, just a really nice pink flower. And I think you've mentioned the Bambinos before. Yeah, I think I might have. And you get them in a lot of other different colours, oranges and whites and, you know, those sort of magenta type colours uh, as you know here we are we're always talking about colour and we do it with such authority here and we've got Gary how you doing Gary good thank you how can we help you Gary well I've got a bay tree there and um, the leaves are, are yellowing and it's a little scaly uh-huh. the insects or I don't know what it is a scaly on the thing back on, on the back on and there's little black dots too yeah so you've, you've hit the nail right on the head there for us um, I just feel absolutely redundant um, because you've you've named your problem, yeah, you, you have got scale, and bay trees are fairly susceptible to scale. I get this funny sort of looking, uh, you know, sort of pinky, grey, white sort of one that's got sort of spikes all over it. It gets that pretty badly, and it'll get the black one too. So yep. what you need to do is go grab a product called Anti Scale. Yep. Uh, now it's got uh, white oil and malathion mixed in there, and you spray it all over the plant and try and mist it up in underneath the leaves as well. And what happens is that. Um, the, the anti-scale settles on the scale insect and the white oil sort of helps the chemical, the malathion, the insecticide, permeate uh, up through the shell of the scale and actually kill the little insect that's inside there. Uh, so once you've done it, uh, you probably do it again in two weeks' time and you find that when the scale's dead, it just sort of flakes off. It, um, it's not that, uh, you know, sort of moist, sort of waxy, you know, horrible sort of feeling that it gets uh, at the moment and it just, uh, it'll just go all dry and sort of flake off. Oh, great. I use it a lot in the cooking, spaghetti bulk and stuff. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So, um, yeah, make sure you go grab some anti-scale and uh, yeah, do that up in under the leaves all over until it's running off. You know, don't be shy about using it. Uh, you need to get it all over the plant and then do it again in two weeks' time. You should get it back, back under control for you. Well, oh, terrific. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks, Gary. Cheers. Cheers. It is Gardening Talk back on 2 you RFM. If you've got any calls, give us... or got any questions, give us a call. 49216216. Now, we'll talk about bay leaves just then. Is that... Yeah. I'm looking at a bay card... Is that right, or am I yes. reading wrongly upside down? No, you're, re- you're reading quite... I wouldn't ever take you into a meeting because you'd be able to... Check yeah. everyone's notes. And... Yeah, check everyone's notes and know what's happening. It'd be corporate <laughs> espionage. Maybe that's what we, sh- we should hire ourselves out as. Corporate espionage is... Corporate spires. <laughs> we just go in and read whatever you're writing about us on the other side of the table. I think we've failed already. I think we have, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> so this one's called uh, Baby Bay. And it's a dwarf bay tree. It only gets to uh, one metre high. And see, as soon as it's got baby in the name, I think it's really cute. Yeah. Yeah, like Pixie, Pixie Bougainvillea, and I think we should talk about it. But this one's good because bay trees can get quite tall and a little bit out of hand. Uh, But they're very slow to get that way. But this baby bay, only to one metre, one and a half metres high. Now, the great thing about bay trees, again, is that they're incredibly tough. They will live in the full sun, a bit of shade. Uh, If they get a frost on them, they don't really care about that. They're an incredibly tough tough plant you don't even you know virtually have to water them yeah yeah that's how good they are tick 
tick. Yeah, that's sort of all these ones are you know good for gardeners like. You and I, really, I okay. guess. Yeah. Well, I'm actually thinking of getting like a bay tree. Okay. Because I want to use the bay leaves. Well, maybe you should. Just like Gary did. Well, you don't have to use many of the bay leaves either. You know, you don't have to use a few of them. So. Yeah, well, you're obviously not going to take the whole things off. No, no, that's, <laughs> you're not going to put a whole sort of branch <laughs> in your spaghetti bowl or something yeah, like that. Like bay flavoured, bay soup. Yes, yeah. But that'd be a bit, yeah. Ridiculous. It would, wouldn't it? Yeah. Not great to have a palate. No. <laughs> anyway, I'll let you continue. Okay, yeah. So um, that's uh, so yeah. One meter, great in pots. I, look, I think that's a, a, a you know an amazing sort of little plant to have in your garden, uh, you know, and around your herbs. Uh, baby bay, that one's called. Now, Scott, we were talking a little early about companion planting. Yes, what, we were. It's I'm not sure what it is, but I, I guess it's one of those things that I I don't know if I believe in myself either. But if it works for someone, then go for it. So I'm much always like the ice. much like the ice. So I'm always happy to to talk about it. I, uh, you know, it's all like a companion animal, I guess. They're a little bit different to that. I found a really interesting companion animal when I was in the, to the International Day of People with Disability at the foreshore on, yeah, right. on Friday morning, mate. <laughs> it was a very long snake. Oh, that would have been a, a lovely little partnership for you. Yeah, so the people from Blackbutt, uh, the nice people from Blackbutt, bought, brought this huge big snake in, apparently it had just eaten a couple of people's Alsatians or something <laughs> on, on its way in, just as a snack, and that's the sort of animal it was but um, as my kids know that I'm not real fond of the old reptile um, I was brave enough I gutsed up and I went over and got a photo taken with the snake, I think I might have touched it I tried to doctor the photo so it looked as if I was actually in, no, I was actually holding the snake. Yep. Um, but so you weren't actually holding the snake at all? No, I think you've just seen the photo. I think my facial expression yeah, shows it. It's a very I, nervous smile. It was a very nervous <laughs> smile. There was this guy there that had, had sort of mentally measured out the snake and he was keeping about, you know, like a force field three you know, three metres away from this snake. He was not going anywhere near the thing. So that's a companion animal. But we're going to talk about companion planting. Yep. And uh, look, the old favourites, of course, are marigolds. I know they're orange in colour, and most people don't like orange as a colour, but they do work really well as a companion plant. Uh, they keep away aphids and all sorts of other insects out of the, out of the garden. So that's a really, you know, simple one to use. People often ring up and they say, "Oh, we've got nematodes uh, in our in our garden, and they're you know they're sucking all the you know the little um, uh, the worm that gets on the root system and makes these calluses on the plants, and they and they can't absorb moisture up into them, especially with tomatoes. It seems to hit them quite badly. And marigolds are excellent for getting rid of nematodes as well. There's the three M's that I always I always remember. Yep. Uh, you can get mustard and sow it in to get rid of nematodes. Uh, you can use your marigolds, and there's also molasses." Molasses. Molasses, yeah. Molasses. And I, and that's, I guess that's the one I always forget. And someone always rings up and says, Scott, you goose, you've forgotten molasses again. But you can use molasses to try and get rid of the nematodes as well. Uh, so some of the other companion uh, plantings as well you can use is uh, comfrey. Uh, apparently it you know it does all sorts of weird and wonderful things it um, it makes great fertilizer it's uh, rich in nitrogen potassium and phosphate so it actually helps feed the soil as well and there's all sorts of other weird and wonderful things like never store carrots or potatoes near apples or because they've got ethylene gas really yeah and it can make the carrots bitter and cause the potatoes to rot so I guess if anyone else has got any sort of ideas of companion planting or something else they've used yeah let us know we want to hear about it very good. Right now. It is Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. We do have Bob from Argenton. Bob, how can we help you? Yes, g'day, Scott. How are you? Yes, pretty well, mate. Uh, just a, a, an easy question for you. I'm building up my back lawn. I've only got a small yard, yep. about 35 square metres. Uh, I'm getting ash delivered tomorrow. 
and then I'm going to put sandy loam on top, and then I'm going to put uh, turf on top of that. Yep. Um, I've got a bit of grass growing through from the, the ground at the moment. Should I spray something on there just to stop those weeds going up? Because I don't want them coming up into me nice new turf when I put them down. Yeah, look, I love easy questions because I, I can just keep my, <laughs> my brain in neutral and that's what I'm going to do now. But I will answer Excellent. your question. Yeah. Uh, look, you can spray. Uh, so use you know, zero, glyphosate, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, they're all the, sort of the same thing. And you can spray that. Now, what you it actually only works on the foliage of the plant. Uh, so you should be able to put your turf or anything else straight back over the top of that and it will, it will yep. kill it. Well, I'm, I'm I'm going to build it up to the thing over the top of this grass, which is there at the moment. So I just want to get rid of that grass. Yeah, so look, definitely spray it. Now, it does actually need the sunlight to work, but spraying it, you know, is better than nothing. It still should work. Yep. It will just take, you know, longer, but it will you know, be smothered out, and that glyphosate is only going to help uh, keep anything in there okay. down and out. Right, yeah. So I've been delivered tomorrow morning, so I've got all, all day today to, to spray it and hope the sun will do a bit for me. Yep, definitely go and do that. Yep. Okay, right here. Another quick question. Yes. How do you get rid of wasps? Oh. I've got them flying into the bloody garage, yeah. and they're building the nest, and I find a nest, and I scrape it off, and I chase them off, and they come, and they build it somewhere else in the garage. So have you got the ones that are like little paper nests, or the other ones? That... Uh, the, 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 the coily ones, the coily nests. Look, that there, sense look there's, no, there's no real way to get rid of them like that. Uh, I guess you could set some traps up and try and treat them, you know, like a fruit fly and use a fl- fruit fly trap and see if that works with them. Otherwise, yeah. the only thing to do is just be vigilant and keep on getting them out of the way. They that's like to big, go to protected areas like your garage or underneath, so that's yeah. why they're going into those and, places. And unfortunately, because I'm doing so much uh, work in the yard and I've got all the soil there, they're just leaning there and picking up the mud and that's what they're building the nest for. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so get they're that... Get that lawn down as quickly as possible. Yeah. I won't have anything yeah, to build their house with. Stop them. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Okay, thanks, Scott. Okay, cheers, Bob. Thank you. Bye. Now, we're talking wasps before with Bob, and I think Rhonda might have an answer for us. Yeah, how are you going, Rhonda? Bob had some problems with uh, wasps getting into his uh, shed. Can you help him? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Bob had the problems with his wasp getting in the shed. Can you help him out? Yeah, tell him to get a can of WD-40. Yes. Because it has the longest uh, nozzle to spray. Yeah. You can stand on the ground and get them under the eaves. Once they're on there, they never come back. Right, so you think the WD-40 leaves sort of a bit of a residue on there and it sort of keeps them from coming back there? Yeah, it does. It kills them instantly and then, um, and it gets in the nest and they won't come back again because um, I got stung badly. Uh, years ago and yeah. uh, that was one of the things I did do and I tell you what, they stayed out of my cypress pine for years. Yeah, so did you have the, the funny little paper wasps, that's what I call them because the, the nest is like little you know bunches of origami paper is that what you had or? Yeah, they're the little black ones, I got stung by 20 of them in one hit. Oh, yeah, they're, they're buggers and they just keep on coming at you don't they, they don't, they don't give up. That's right, yeah, so and then I moved to the next tree and they decided they'd keep going with me as well, so uh, yeah, now I'm allergic to everything that's dangerous. Yeah, look... Uh, but yes, the, the WD-40 works wonders because once you spray the nest, it gets into the, the way they've built it yep. and uh, they just leave it and the nest goes um, black and then it falls down eventually with just a bit of a knock of a broom. Excellent. Thank you for that, Rhonda. Yeah, the, the times I've um, been stung by wasps as well have, have been when they're in uh, you know conifers in cypress pines as well. They seem to love getting in there. They're so dense and protected that they can live in there and not get wet. That's They don't want to get wet. That seems to be their big thing. So, yeah. Yeah, I've actually been stung quite badly. They were nesting under my friend's exercise bike. They're outside. Yeah. 
I jumped on it, went for a bit of a pedal. Oh, really? About, yeah, about, about 100 wasps just surrounded me. <laughs> and you've never exercised since. <laughs> never exercised since. <laughs> There's gardening talk back on 2NURFM. We've got Heather from Whitebridge in regard to some tomato plants. Yes. How can we help you, Heather? Um, hi, Scott. Scott, the, the plant's healthy. It's producing flowers, but it's not setting fruit. So are you making sure that it's being regularly watered? Yes, it is. Okay. And it's being... Uh, fed as required, the plant's very healthy. Yes. Um, and as I say, you know, flowers are being produced, but they're falling off and nothing's setting. Oh, so, so did you say that the flowers are falling off as well, did you? Um, well, some of them are, yeah. but um, they don't seem, apparently there don't seem to be very many bees around. And I was wondering if that would be part of the problem. Look, or that... That could be a problem, and, and sort of more and more we're hearing that from people, you know, that they can't get bees to come in and, um, you know, pollinate their passion fruit and all sorts of other plants. Mm. So that, that could be a problem. Mm. I'll just make sure that it's, you know, being well fertilised, uh, as yeah. you are doing, using a liquid fertiliser, uh, yeah. and one that's uh, high and rich in potash. Right. <laughs> and right. because it really needs that to make the flowers nice and strong, and that's only going to help, uh, you know, the tomatoes especially. So make sure that, you know, using something like Flourish, and that's always very good for, uh, for uh, you know, high, as a high potash fertiliser. Component, yeah. right. And just make sure that it's being regularly watered. You don't want it, you know, being flooded and then drying out for a couple of days and then you're flooding it again. It's just uh, tomatoes, especially when they eventually do set their fruit, they mm. need to be regularly watered so that that fruit doesn't uh, split as well once we right. get... You know, that, that's okay. a really important thing to do. Okay, then. Give okay. it a go. Okay, I hope we helped you a little bit at least, Heather. Okay, thanks, Scott. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Now, is his gardening talk back on 2NURFM. Now, wasps has been a bit of a hot topic. Robert from Hillsborough has got some ideas. Oh, oh yeah, look, I heard you talking about wasps. Yes. I found a really good wasp killer and uh, nest destroyer at Bunnings, and it was uh, a can of uh, what they call blitzen, it's called wasp killer and nest destroyer. Stay back about four metres, I spray a stream at the nest, and, and the wasps, they stick to the nest because they're dead or they drop straight down. Yeah, mate, I've, we've got that one at uh, you know at, at work as well, and I've used that in the past and yeah. seems to work really well. Of course, I think what uh, Bob was trying to find out is how to actually almost stop them coming into his shed, but you know that's almost going to be... No, you, you can't. can't, no. They find every little way of getting in. You yeah. roll the door up a in between the roll door and the wall, there's always a good size gap they get in there. Yeah, and, and you know? I th- from my when I, last time I used that that Blitzum uh, spray, it also it had an oily smell about, it. and I think that's maybe why uh, you know Rhonda called up and said use the WD40. I think it almost had a, a similar effect because uh, I, I certainly remember it had a bit, you know, sort of almost a pungent, oily, petrolly sort of smell to it. But not saying that's exactly what was in it, but uh, you know, it felt like it had something like WD40, some petroleum-based it's, product in there. It's so yep. It's got alpharin and phenethrin. Yeah, so the phenethrin is a is an insecticide, and uh, I, I can only just from the smell of it when I sprayed it, that's what it seemed to be. It just seemed to be like this petroleum based product. But yeah, that certainly works very well. And uh, like Robert said, it uh, it just really sprayed out quite a long distance, so you could keep yourself uh, you know safe and not get stung because I don't like getting stung by wasps. Nobody likes getting stung by wasps. No. We're also going to have a question about tomato plants from David from Weston. How can we help you, David? G'day, Scott. Um, not a question, but just replying to that lady who uh, said her plants were flowering but not fruiting. Yep. Um, I rang Yates because I read on their tomato dust that it said it was unfriendly to bees. Yes. 
Um, and, and I spoke to one of the horticulturalists at Yates, and she told me that bees don't pollinate tomatoes, that they're pollinated by the wind. Um, although ours are fruiting well, and I have seen um, bees around the flowers on ours. We've got lots of things in. We've got pumpkins and cucumbers and all sorts of things. Um, we're getting a lot of native bees too, you know, the little native bees that don't stink. Yeah, I do. And look, I've, I've seen bees. We, we have the seedlings at work. And we've also got some plants that we have planted in our little garden there. And certainly we see the bees around there as well. So... Uh, yeah, I've always thought that the bees would help pollinate too, but there's nothing to say they might not be, uh, you know, windborne pollination too. But unfortunately, yeah, David, a lot of the chemicals that we do use now, you know, they can, you know, can, they do say on there, be careful if there's bees around uh, Confidor. Uh, that's another Yates product, you know, be careful about using that around bees. So, uh, yeah, you do have to be careful at this, you know, when you're using it at certain times, uh, just to make sure there are no bees around. But unfortunately, with the dust, like those tomato dust, they settle on the plant and, uh, you know, they, they can create problems for any bees that come along because it's, you know, it's there for some time. Maybe the lady could just try shaking the plants to disturb the pollen if they, if they are wind pollinated. The horticulturalist at Yates tells me that that's what happens in uh, hothouse uh, co- um, cultivation of tomatoes. Yeah, that, 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 that's an interesting thing to do, isn't it? Just even, uh, yeah, just give it a shake. Because often people grow tomatoes in, uh, you know, pots or, you know, in veranda situations or courtyard situations where you might not get, you know, necessarily a lot of bees. So I guess, yeah, that might be a way of trying to sort of do a bit of self-pollinating as well. Just give the plant a shake when, once it's out in flower and see if you can get that pollen spread around. Well, there's Gardening Talk back on 2 FM. Thanks very much, David. And Scott, I think that's almost us for the day. Okay, we'll have to have a little lie down now. A little, little lie down and relax. Yes. <laughs> and we'll be back again next week for our last show of the season. I believe so. Uh, so I'll bring along my fancy Christmas hat and a couple of reindeers and off we'll go. But I think we'll fit the reindeer in it. Okay. should be no problems.